0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com citizens. All right, go ahead and take a seat, guys. Usually we have you uh, stand and talk to each other, but we'll have plenty of time for talking tonight for Friendsgiving. Come on, who's excited? woo Food? Food? Big fan of food out there? Anyone? Yeah. Now, big fan of food in general, but what about Thanksgiving food? You're like, ah, that is a whole other level. All right, so the, we're marginally happy about Thanksgiving. Okay, so like who thinks Thanksgiving food is like better than regular food? Like there's just something that hits different about Thanksgiving. I think that's true. What about uh, you're just like, eh, I don't know. I don't know about Thanksgiving food. Stuffing. There's some good stuffing, yes. Some good stuffing. Mac and cheese. was. What's that? mashed taters, mashed potato. yes, of course, mashed taters. I was like, what are you saying? Uh, I was like, that's a voice I don't recognize, but that's not Matthew's real. What? Green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. Yeah. All right, listen, bro, all right. Yes. I'm all for healthy things, kind of. But on Thanksgiving, green bean casserole is probably like fourth or fifth or sixth on my list, personally. That's thing, just me. Another thing is apple pie. Apple pie is good, too. All right, all these things and more coming in. 25 minutes. All right, let's go. Go ahead and open up your Bible to Galatians chapter three. Galatians is in the New Testament. It's right before the book of Ephesians, which is a very great book. Galatians is also a really incredible one that I'd like for you to open to right now. And uh, we are just going to finish up our series in um, this series that we've been called "I Am Yours." Um, the world tries to label us with so many things, right? Uh, You try to label yourself with so many titles, but the Bible uh, reveals to us who we truly are in Jesus. Um, So many titles uh, float by our heads every single day. You could be a son. You could be a brother. You could be an athlete. You could be an athletic person. You could be an academic person. You could be uh, a nerd. You can be a geek, right? There's a distinction between those two. We were talking about that in the academy the other day, right? There's a big difference. Uh, You could be so many different things, but there is one title... That is most important for you and I to understand. There is only one title uh, in our uh, reality that truly matters at the end of the day, and that is who we are in. Jesus. And if we let that identity run our lives, we will have so much more peace. When we let that identity uh, run and control who we are, we will find ourselves with more joy. When we let that identity define everything about us, the titles and the obligations and the stress that comes with this world trying to understand who we are will completely fade into the background. We are sons and daughters of the King. Two weeks ago, we talked about how we're chosen by God, how God literally decided to choose you. You are not a random accident. You are not something that just kind of happened, and here you are. God chose you, and he chose to call you by name, and he decided to make you a son or a daughter of him if you know Jesus Christ. That's what we learned two weeks ago. Last week, we learned the same thing, that we are chosen by God, but we're chosen by God for good works. We're chosen by God to uh, make this world and this space better because we're ambassadors for Jesus. Both of those things are completely true, and tonight we are wrapping up really quickly um, this brief series that I hope has been impactful for you. So we're in Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be starting in verse 23, and it's going to be up here on the screen as I um, read this. So why don't you read along with me on the screen or on your Bible, and here we go. It says this, now before faith Came. We were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Right? If you know the whole narrative of Scripture, which maybe some of us uh, don't, real briefly, this is the New Testament. This is after the works of Jesus Christ. This is a guy named Paul, he used to be Saul, writing from uh, a prison cell, uh, encouraging uh, the brothers and sisters, of the church in Galatia, to continue in the faith. And he's also clarifying a few things about the law versus faith in Jesus. All right, And so over the course of the entire narrative of Scripture, God is reconciling all things to himself. It's like this explosion that happened, and then God is bringing everything into order. And the work is continuing here in the New Testament. And this instruction to the church is directly applicable for us today uh, living under authority of Jesus. So this is what Paul is saying to this church. He's clarifying what the law is and what it isn't in this book. In verse 24, it says, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian or the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God or daughters of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have been put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. Lots to unpack here in just a few quick verses. But look at these first two again. Now before faith. Came. I was reading that and I was just like blown away by that statement. Before faith came, you know, God's plan has always been for his people to be justified through faith in the coming Messiah or in the Messiah that we know today, Jesus Christ. And I just think it's like in this argument here, it's such a crazy statement. Now, before faith came, aka before the works of Jesus were fully seen, you were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed again Jesus until that faith is fully recognized on the cross uh, you're held under captivation of this law so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that way we might be justified by faith so before our identity in Jesus where are we before you in this room before you knew Jesus where were you The reality is you were stuck in your sin and your transgression. And in this passage here, we see that even though many put their faith in the coming Jesus Christ, there is something that the law couldn't accomplish, right? There's something that even like the existence of the law showed that we couldn't perfectly keep the law. But through the completed works of Jesus, we have an identity shift right here in this passage. Our identity before Jesus, we're stuck Many of us were stuck in sin, we were stuck in addiction, we were stuck in old patterns of thinking, we were stuck in the things of this world, but no longer is, are all of those things true when we are what, verse 24, justified by faith. We're not justified by works, you're not justified by trying really hard, you're not justified by understanding and knowing the Bible. You're not justified under anything else but faith in Jesus Christ. That's what this verse is saying. There is no salvation from sin without faith in Jesus. And if you know him, that's a reason to rejoice. And if you don't know him, this is something to listen in on. God's plan for his people was to be justified by faith, meaning being made righteous because of the works of Jesus. So that's verses 23 and 24. Look at this at verse 25. But now, again, this is a journey through our time in history, but now that faith has come, this first century church, these people may have seen Jesus in real life. They may have heard people and talked to people who knew Jesus. Certainly, uh, they know the apostle Peter. It says, now that faith has... Apostle Paul, sorry, not Peter. He wrote first and second Peter. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For if, Christ, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ... Having put on Christ. Here we see a complete and total transformation of identity when you have faith in Jesus. When we have faith, now that faith has come, now that we're a Christian, we are different. Becoming a Christian is an all-encompassing thing. Uh, Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ is a complete transformation of self. This isn't like, I hate analogies like this. It's like, dude, yeah, before Jesus, you're like an iPhone 8, you know, not great, not awesome. But like now that you know Jesus, you're like an iPhone 14. You're like, okay. Like, I I hope I have, I've probably used really lame analogies like that before, but that's a lame analogy. Um, because that's not what salvation is. Salvation in Jesus isn't like, a, I was doing okay and now I'm doing a lot better. No, no, no. Salvation in Jesus is, I was dead in my trespasses and now I've been, um, I've been made alive in Jesus Christ. You were dead in the ground six feet under when God decided to lift you out. This is what it means to become a Christian. For in Jesus you are now sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. How many times do we see that word Jesus there? Three different times in just these few verses. We're justified by faith in God. We have literally been baptized in the name of Jesus, and now we put on Jesus. It's this idea of putting on a new identity. It's this idea of putting on a new a, a, a new reality. It's this idea of putting on a new perspective on how you see the world because becoming a Christian and following after Jesus is an all-encompassing, identity-shaping, reality-altering relationship. That's what Christianity is. That's what following Jesus looks like. And every single person in this room can have a personal relationship with God because why? Because faith has arrived. And faith in Jesus is possible uh, only through repentance and accepting the free gift that is the gospel. But becoming a Christian is an all-encompassing thing. It's a total transformation. It's not like a quick tune-up. It's not a quick clean-up. Like, I was a little dirty, and then I got polished off a little bit. No, I was dead. Now I'm alive. This is a total transformation. No longer under the law. Now in Jesus, we are sons and daughters of God. Notice how it says, you are all. Um, this is a community aspect. We have to remember a lot of the New Testament was written to groups of people, like a church, uh, and a lot of times we look at these verses through an individual perspective. Um, but Paul is certainly writing to a group of people that are growing, that are uh, you know growing in their faith, growing in their knowledge of God. Um, we need to view these verses through a community aspect as well. We collectively, as citizens, because faith has come. Because many of us have been justified in Jesus, we are different. And this is only possible through the salvation and through the works of Jesus Christ. We are one. We are one. I like that verse there. To put on Christ. To put on Christ means to put everything else away. To put on Christ means to throw everything else that you held dear away. To put on Christ is to say, I used to be this, and now I'm something different. I used to be an old person, right? An old in my ways, right? The the old flesh that I wrestled with has gone away, and I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ. Now, why is this important to understand? It's important to understand because oftentimes the enemy will try to convince us that we are still the same person. We are still who we used to be. Salvation must not have worked. The justification must not have happened because you still seem to be acting the same way. These verses are critical. Faith has arrived, and if you have put your faith in Jesus, then there's nothing to fear. There's only things to celebrate. And to put on Christ is to put on a new identity. To be seen as a different person means to have a new identity. Now, there's many labels the world tries to put on us, and Paul lands this quick little argument here that we're reading through with these final verses that I think are Amazing. So read with them. Read with me these final verses. It says in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is uh, no male or female for you are all one in Christ's Jesus, and if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring's heirs according to the promise. It is important to understand how big these verses are. Now, there is a racial tension here in the New Testament. There is a political tension. There is a cultural tension uh, with the coming and the salvation of Jesus Christ. Because God chose a group of people... Uh, He chose the nation of Israel and the Jewish people to be his holy people. But now that Jesus has arrived 2,000 years ago, we see that this is completely true. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Paul writing this in this first century to the church in Galatia would have been like, it would have been shocking, but it's a beautiful truth that when you fall in love with Jesus, when he has captivated you by his love and you have turned to him, there is a equal level feel at the foot of the cross. It's an old saying that I think is awesome. It can be kind of cliche, but I like it a lot. The foot, uh, the level um, of the cross is even. Um, when we come to Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter the title that you used to hold. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or the type of house you come from. It doesn't matter to Jesus. And now this is super countercultural in our day and age because the world loves to define us. The world loves to divide us through our definition, right? And we've seen that maybe more than ever in the past few years. I grew up in a day and age when talking about racial reconciliation, I thought it was kind of like a thing of the past. I was like, I feel like things have gotten better. And then in the past few years, we've seen just how the world has shown us how broken it still is. But passages like this are so beautiful because it shows us what the church can be. In Jesus, we are one the things that humans can be divided over because that's just natural for us to kind of form tribes based on the color of our skin or form tribes based on our economic status or form tribes based on like uh, how we talk or what we like. That natural instinct that we all have is eliminated in the church of Jesus. There is now no Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's no male and female for you are all in Christ Jesus. You are all one in Christ Jesus. Titles that seem so important to us aren't usually that important to God. Titles that we get so captivated on, titles that we get so hung up on in our day and age, don't typically matter to God. Because when man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. We see that in the Old Testament, First and Second Samuel. We see that God looks straight into your heart. It doesn't matter the shoes you're wearing. It doesn't matter what shoes you're wearing. It doesn't matter the clothes. It doesn't matter how many good works you've done. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy. God sees to the heart in a way that we just can't. It's just not possible for us, but God does. And because of that truth, we see this reality that in Christ, we are one. And every title that you try to put on yourself needs to pale in comparison to the title of a son or the daughter of the king of kings. It needs to leave because it didn't belong there in the first place, really. And certain titles are great, and you can be proud of who you are and how God has made you. That's awesome. But God's plan for you is faith in Jesus Christ. And when you fully and truly believe that reality... Um, when you believe that you are only justified by faith and you run to him for salvation, uh, the titles that the world kind of places on us don't matter anymore. Titles that are important to man aren't important to God. Uh, Here's some, uh, I put some identity title that our culture loves to promote. Here's a few, just a few that I wrote down. Uh, There's economic titles, rich or poor. You got a lot of money or you don't. The world likes to divide us because of that. All right, where do you live? Where do you live? All right, you're able to tell many, day, many, many, many times uh, just somebody's economic status based on where they live in the world, and that's really, that's really wrong, and I hate that that's a reality, but the world likes to divide us because of that. Uh, economic titles don't matter in the kingdom of God. There's a political slash ideology, uh, ideological titles, right? Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative, these things can often divide us, but these identities do not belong in the kingdom of God. There's academic titles. I'm the Val Victorian or the Saluda Victorian or I'm the National Honor Society or I'm in some weird like homeschool version of whatever that is. I don't know. Like I I, I tried, okay? I don't know. These titles, all this to say do not matter. There's physical titles as well, right? Okay, I'm skinny or I'm fat or I'm I'm pretty or I'm ugly, right? These things, these titles that we can wrestle with when we look at ourselves in the mirror, look at me, do not matter in the kingdom of God. There's no Jew nor Greek. I mean, that alone, God's people chosen throughout time and history, now are under the same law as everyone else in salvation in Jesus. Um, there's neither slave nor free. The economic or social status that you have, gone, no male or female, right? That's something in our day and age as well. This, this idolization of, of, of gender identity and sexuality is completely wrong because when we are in Christ, we are one, and that should be your identity, People change, jobs are lost, relationships end, people fail. What happens when you find your identity and all of those things that can change? What happens? What happens when you try and find your identity in a person and they leave you and they break up with you? What happens when you try and find identity in the future in your job and the job goes away? What happens in your life when you find all of your validation from your academics and you don't do as well as you thought on that one test? What happens? The titles that we put on ourselves are so foolish oftentimes in the eyes of God because there is only one title that matters. And that's the title of son or daughter of the king. That's the only title that you should be worried about because God looks straight through all those other titles and it looks right to your heart. Think about this. Think about this. Think about the character of Jesus Christ. Think about his completed works on the cross. Think about... Uh, in all of his glory and all of his splendor, who he is. There is no title, all right? There is no name more important than the name of Jesus, Savior of the world. There is no higher name than Jesus Christ, King of Kings. There is no person more valuable than Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords. And now, Because that is true, you and I have to recognize that there is no title more valuable for you and me than a son or a daughter of Jesus. If Jesus is the most worshiping, the most uh, powerful and amazing person and God that we can worship, then our identity and our understanding of our most important title needs to be our sonship or our uh, daughtership to that God and to Jesus Christ. And we would be fools not to think that that's a reality. And the question is, what title do you hold most proudly in your life? Is it an athlete? Is it student? Is it hard worker? Is it boyfriend? Is it girlfriend? Is it in a future title that you don't have yet? All right, one day I'll be successful. One day I'll be graduating out of here. What's the most valuable title that you are holding right now? Because if Jesus is the most important person to ever walk on this earth, shouldn't the fact that you're a son or a daughter of him be the most important thing about you? If Jesus is the most valuable person and God together in one to ever walk on this earth, shouldn't your relationship to him be the most important thing about you? Like, what else would be better? What else could be more important? Is Jesus taking a back seat in your life to a bunch of other titles? Does Jesus take the back seat of your life to your soccer team? Does Jesus take the back seat of your life to your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Does Jesus take the back seat of your life to your studies? Does Jesus define your identity? And is your identity in him? It's a question you have to ask yourself. And the answer, of course, can be yes. If Jesus is the most important, the most valuable, the most precious, one to have ever loved all of humanity, why would anything about our lives be important other than the reality that you are his son and you are his daughter? That's what it means to find your identity in Christ. Because when you worship the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you, you can't help but hold him above everything else. You can't help but to worship him above all other things. And when you believe that with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, then your identity will be found in him. Watch that this week. The titles that you put on yourself, the ideas that you have about your future, be careful Truly, honestly, be careful. These things change. These things on earth, the temporary thing that we see around us, it changes all of the time. But Jesus has never changed once. Jesus has been consistent. God has been consistent, and He loves you. He cares for you. And He is calling you to Himself. Let your life be defined by that relationship. Let your life be defined by a vertical relationship with God, not any horizontal relationships that we see around us today. Amen? Let's pray together. God, we love you. I pray that you would be with us um, as we, we gather together. God, we're thankful that we are one in Christ, that it's possible to put away these titles, these ideas. Uh, the world would say that's impossible, right? There's always going to be something that divides them. There's always going to be something that divides human beings, and God, let it not be so. Uh, when we truly are defined by our relationship with you. God, I pray for the person in this room who is uh, hearing these things, maybe for the first time, and they're, they've, they're trying to wonder who, who they are and what they think about themselves. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct them uh, to yourself, uh, that they would see the immeasurable beauty that is you and your son. I pray that we would be witnesses to them, and we would tell them the truth of the gospel. So, Lord, help us to sing uh, this next song with conviction and truth and power Um, before we get to uh, gather together as a church. We love you, Lord Jesus. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.